0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Nine Puzzle Podcast. We are on take seven of trying to figure out this <laughs> introduction. My contact yes, actually are. just fell out of my eye. We're just a mess over here, okay? We're, <laughs> we're, but we're going to get it together. Uh, seven time is like a godly number, I believe. Yeah, so, yeah.
1: I think know, this works. Think,
0: all right, sounds good. Well, what's up, Naeem? Yeah, uh, I think
1: this intro is going yeah. so well. I don't even know about the rest of the podcast, but it's going <laughs> so well. This is the best it's intro true. ever, bro. Yes. Yeah. Well,
0: welcome, guys. My name is Vinny, if you haven't been here before. The other guy, guy talking is Naeem Fazl. He is yes. the, the guy that you <laughs> came here to hear. But um, if you've been with us, you've heard we just finished up our Darkroom Sessions, uh, which was a series we did. Naeem, I know you love that, so if you want to speak into that a little bit. Before yeah, man, I just want but...
1: to say, number one, so grateful for conversations and thankful for the friendships and people just being honest. I mean, these leaders, pastors are you really making a difference. And so I know that it helped a lot of people. And uh, so, yeah, it was a really cool season. But guess what, man? We've got a pretty exciting season this oh. next season, don't we? Oh, we do? We, what's so yeah, exciting, we what? do.
0: We
2: do,
0: because so i here. Hi, guys. What? Oh, hey, Kristen, what's
2: up? <laughs> hey, man. how are you?
0: I'm good. How are you?
2: I'm good. I am um, taking over the Naeem Fossil podcast for the season. You know why? Because I sat here and listened to you guys record this, this intro Uh, seven times. And I think think that we should give Naeem a break. Uh,
0: You know what? I think that's a well-deserved break is, is, is definitely necessary. Um, All right. Naeem, (laughs) how how do you feel about this thing?
1: I feel good about it. Uh, But uh, (laughs) seriously though, Yeah, I think that's what we're going to do. Uh, So the next season is Kristen Mockler-Young is taking over the Naeem Fossil podcast and (laughs) doing sessions called the Turning the Gem sessions, in which she is interviewing and having just great conversations with leaders and uh man i have looked at uh, at the content a little bit and the the questions and just brainstorming this next season and it's going to be super cool super cool super exciting and your first guest Kristen, is the one and only
3: the
2: one and only ashley fossil it's your wife it just made sense you know to have ashley on <laughs> for the very first episode so it was really really fun talking to her i mean we talk all the time but this time we'll let everybody else listen
0: <laughs> and do i get to come along for this journey too kristen or are you kicking me out too
2: totes no i would love to have you if any i would love to have okay. you with me right. for this cool. turning the gem sessions
1: uh, so, so what see? about me
2: we're, uh, gonna let you, we're gonna let you vacation
1: <laughs> we'll
0: we'll think about it and get back to
1: you <laughs> all right think about it pray about it all right okay. well let's get to it
0: yeah uh, god said no
1: um <laughs> <laughs> i said let's get to it oh my gosh <laughs>
0: Awesome. Let's, let's, uh, Kristen, let's jump into, don't listen, Naeem, don't do my job. Okay. That is my job (laughs) on the pod. I have one job on this podcast and that is to say, let's do it. So without further ado, Kristen, are you ready to jump into this interview with Ash?
2: I'm ready. Let's go. All
0: right. Let's do it. Good luck guys.
2: (laughs) Hey Ash. So good to see you. Welcome to the Naeem Fossil podcast. (laughs) I think you might know Naeem Fazzle, Ashley Fazzle. Yeah, I do, I do. That's <laughs> yeah, so fun that he's letting us take over his podcast for this season. So, of course, I had to have you on Yeah. this episode, his wife.
3: <laughs> of
2: course, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Good. There's so much more about you than being Naeem Fazzle's wife, though. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, about Ashley Fazzle?
3: Okay, um, I'm currently the missions and outreach pastor Um, I've had a heart for outreach and missions all the way back to high school. I mean, in high school, when I first um, became eligible to go on our church mission trips, I jumped on board and went to Spain and Ecuador. And um, one summer in college, lived in a migrant camp off the coast of uh, Charleston and Johns Island, South Carolina. I don't even
2: know what that means.
3: I know. it's uh, Well, I didn't either. (laughs) Literally a camp ground set up for the migrants who were working the fields. And they have like a shared um, bathroom and a shared kitchen. And um, they all live there while they're picking in those fields during the season. And so me and another girl and um, a guy who has actually had been there since some hurricane, <laughs> We were like missionaries and we lived in the camp with them. Um, that was crazy. But yeah, so I've, I've done lots of things like that. And um, so I love that I get to do this at Mosaic, which is my favorite church in the world, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you're not biased. I'm not biased at all. Grew up in South Carolina. met um, at Naim at the College of Charleston and i um, we have been married 22 years. We have a 14-year-old daughter and a 17-year-old son and two cats. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: can't believe they're that old. And, and that's how I met you and Naeem, actually, yes. when you guys moved to Charlotte yes. to start Mosaic. Yep. I it's know. so crazy. I was thinking about this the other day because I moved around a lot when I was a kid, but I've been in Charlotte, I think the longest that I've been anywhere else, Yeah, which means... I don't have friends for longer than, you know, these spans. like in high school or college, you move away, you keep those friends for like maybe a year or two, but you and Naeem are like some of my (laughs) oldest, like longest friendships of my whole life, which is so crazy.
3: I know. Sometimes I'll find like we're, When you and we're with some other people and we start having these conversations and then all of a sudden I feel kind of bad for them because we're talking about, oh my gosh, remember when 15 years ago and then this happened and this happened and then Nura and your children and at your birth and your wedding and I'm like, we forget, we forget. We've been doing this thing together for a long time. A long time.
2: A long time. Now including vacationing together, which I am for it. <laughs> uh,
3: yes, that was
2: fantastic. Uh, well, speaking of all the things that we've done together, we, you and I got to do a very special thing. What was it in February? I think. And we got ordained together.
3: Yes. Yes. Ooh. That was so special. It was such a joy. And in fact, I actually was just thinking about that as I was thinking about the podcast and just what a special thing it was that we did that together. Yeah. That was about the best part of it was that we the well, it together. I yeah, like, I agree. Oh.
2: It, it was like dually for me. Number one, to be ordained with like the first lady of mosaic we joke that you're the first lady that in and of itself already like elevated it but then yeah again this 15 year friendship history to be able to come through it at the same time you know it was just super special and super fun but i want to know what because i i know what my reactions i've gotten i want to know what your what people have said like what have been the reactions when you're laughing because i think they're the same when people find out that you're ordained or then you know now we're calling you pastor Ashley like yes.
3: what what's the reaction you know I'd have to say across the board it's been mostly supportive um I don't know if just the people who wouldn't support that kind of thing have just filtered out of life over the years could be but everyone's been supportive um the one question I get from people and these are mostly people not who are, who are not a part of the mosaic community right okay They're the first question is, oh, where did you go to seminary? Mm-hmm. Or how did you do it? Um,
2: what program did you go through?
3: What did you go through? Or, um, oh, so now you're you're going to start preaching. I actually had someone ask me if I was going to like start preaching now instead of Naeem. <laughs> I'm like, well, no, that what does that even mean? Why would I do that? Right. But Uh, as the missions pastor, the outreach pastor, um, I'll
2: still be focused on that.
3: Yes. Yeah. So that was interesting because, I mean, you know, naim has been ordained now for, he was ordained through Seacoast, like you and I were ordained through Mosaic. He Mm -hmm. was ordained through the church that he was a part of. And... I mean, maybe I don't remember because it was 20 years ago, but I'm pretty sure I've never heard anyone ask his credentials. Like, what was your ordination process? Where did you go? What was the program like? Yeah. So anyway.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Same with me. Nobody ever asks. I don't think anybody, one single person has yet asked me, like, how did you know that you were being called into this? Or how did you know like what did God say or what moved in your spirit? I don't think there's ever been any question about the call. It's always been just about the program. What's the degree? What was the system? What was the, you know, whatever.
3: Yeah. Um, I. And I just
2: was curious, cause you've seen yeah. both sides. Like now as being a woman who was ordained, plus you've seen Naeem's side of it, you know, what the difference was there.
3: I think a little difference between me and you two though is most of the people who know me now know me to be in ministry so like as a pastor's wife and a person who's been in ministry for 20 years it's probably a little different perspective than people who've known you as um someone with a career as an educator and now you're you're in ministry and you know how what was that process for you so i actually do find that more interesting that people haven't asked you that more clearly um because for me, I can guess they just assume, I mean, I've I'm been in ministry, now I just have a different title. Yeah. You have, you know, a pretty relatively new um, experience that you've stepped into.
2: Yeah. A lot of people know me as a kindergarten teacher.
3: Right.
2: Um, I mean, I did that for forever and I was good at it and I loved my job. And so that was truly part of my identity for such a long time. Mm -hmm. I think it shocked people, one, when I came out of the classroom just at all, because I did love it so much. I poured so much of myself into it. Um, But that was more for personal. People seemed to understand. I'm like, I I needed a break. It was, you know, toxic environment. I just wanted to be home with my babies. They were little. Mm -hmm. But then it was like the secondary shift of moving into a whole entire new career or, you know, really in the church world it's like ministry calling but the outside world just sees it as a new job a new career right yeah I think a lot of people maybe they're too afraid to ask they're just taken aback they're like you're doing what now (laughs) maybe and who told you
3: you could do this (laughs) right yeah permission to do that
2: right right so you've been in ministry like you just said for 20 years or for a long time um What's it been like? What's it been like? I mean, all the way through, and then what's it, how is it different now that you're a pastor?
3: Hmm. Oh, well, you know, so I grew up in a very conservative tradition, never saw any women, pastors, obviously, but not even women in leadership, not even women in a teaching role or anything. It was none to be seen. And in fact, I don't even... I don't even know. Like the pastors' wives weren't visible in the church setting mm-hmm. I grew up. Like they weren't even, you know, part of the scene.
2: They weren't sitting on the front pew with their hands folded in their laps. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you, know, you may have been. I probably wouldn't have paid attention to them. But, um, I, so I never even had this idea that that was an option. You know, mm-hmm. to be a woman, a woman in ministry in any form, much less a woman pastor. So uh, I didn't even think about that. And as I began to realize I had a heart for ministry, you know, even at the time it was just volunteer, I, I was in college and then was at Seacoast church. And back then Seacoast did not have any women pastors, but they did have women in leadership roles. And so I saw that and that was, that was good. Um, But even up until when we left about 16 years ago to go plant Mosaic, they didn't have, they would have the occasional women come in, speakers would come in, but they were generally well-known women speakers. Yeah. Um, They didn't have women on their teaching team. Anyway, so come to Mosaic. And I mean, honestly, it's been great, partly because I feel... Like, yes, we had a calling to come and plant a church, but also we came and kind of created the world we wanted to live in. Yeah. So Mosaic is the world we felt God called us to, the ministry we felt him calling us to, but it's the one we wanted to be a part of. <laughs> yeah. As far as like diversity, and, like, there was never even a question about women being in leadership or anything. So I, haven't, I don't feel like I've ever had to beat my head against a wall to get to where I am and even you know in some of our we were planted through the ark and a lot of the ark church planting couples I would say I'm betting a lot of the women they're called co-pastors and I feel like Mm -hmm. the women kind of tagged pastor onto their name because it's they're co-pastoring these churches and probably they are but I never wanted to do that just because that's I could, or because that's what a a lot of the church planting pastors in our circles were doing. Right. Um, And so it wasn't even until probably three years ago that I started to think a little more about, okay, I really do have this heart for caring for people and shepherding people and teaching. And um, so I'd like to pursue a little more of a structured pastoral role and what would that look like? And and I think we all started kind of looking around and saying, okay, what, how how can we set this up for those of us who want to go through that track? Yeah.
2: Well, and I love that you didn't just, like you said, tack it on just because that's what people were doing. Like, I think that's, that's not how you do it. That's not what it's about. (laughs) That's really then just chasing a title. You know, that's just saying like, oh, I'm going to add on pastor because I'm married to someone and truly you have been pastoring people for 15 years 16 years at Mosaic but that's not that's not what it's about I think that's what's been so fun doing it with you too I remember (laughs) when I first came on staff at Mosaic to launch this second campus Mm -hmm. um, I sat down with Naeem and Mike and our other pastor and they offered me essentially the job of campus pastor and I was like oh heck no I am not I was like do you know what you just said to me like I have taught kindergarten for 13 years and I am like you just pastor like it was so weighty I remember it just was the weightiest heavy word and like there's no way and I just didn't feel that call at all and so I was perfectly happy to be the campus director for a few years and figure out what that even meant because I had no idea what I was doing <laughs> and it really was I'm glad that you and I both kind of did the work first and waited mm-hmm. on the call to then take the title as opposed to saying okay we want to get this title we want to be pastors and then we'll start
3: acting like pastors are acting right you know right that's where you and I both have this question too people would ask us oh what are you going to do now how is your role changing I'm like, well, it's not. I mean, I've, I'm doing the work I'm doing, and the the title is. It's not that the title's meaningless, you know. Sure. It, it has meaning and value, but it's not like, oh, because now I have this signed document, I'm going to change do something different. But anyway,
2: I think it means more now because of not that other people doing it another way, you know, invalidates it. But I think at least for me, it means more now knowing it's just confirmation of what we've definitely been called to, as opposed to something that we're going to slap on and then chase, you know, this is one of the things I love about mosaic. And I think you mentioned it too, that it's never been an issue. It's never been a thing for women to speak here. And I remember one Sunday, I was speaking on stage. We had um, our worship leader that Sunday was a black female. And then our person who did our open and close was a Latina female. And I just remember (laughs) going home and like seeing pictures on social media and then going, oh, like number one, look at all the women on stage. Number two, look at all the diversity. And the best part of the whole thing was it wasn't like International Women's Day or Diversity Day. It was just... Sunday <laughs> you
3: know <laughs> exactly I love that too like we didn't play, it and it, it just and again I've you know not to always bring it back around even though this is his podcast he truly genuinely has never been an issue for him it's not like he's had to work at trying to uh, space for women it's almost the opposite it's like well why wouldn't I that doesn't make any sense to me uh, so appreciate that and you can see it reflected in mosaic yeah
2: well and it's funny because I sometimes I feel like we're in a mosaic bubble where now hear me everyone hear me I'm not saying this is an easy job (laughs) ministry (laughs) is the hardest job I have ever had in my entire life but I do sometimes think that I'm in a mosaic bubble because I forget that There are a lot of male pastors and male leaders, or even female, other female leaders and pastors who do not make space for other people or for other women. And, you know, like on Mother's Day this year, like Twitter blew up with just (laughs) infighting among Christians. I think it started with, I'm not going to quote him because we're not going to bother with his name, but there was a tweet that said, like, if you're like hey Christians if your church has women preaching either occasionally or regularly like hear me very clearly you need to find a new church and I see stuff like that and it just pulls me back to the real world of like people actually think that this is good and true and like theologically accurate what do you think what do you think when you see stuff like that
3: well part of is just like that's so dumb move on and I mean as in I think well why would women stay in that place but that's an easy and it's easy for me to say on the other side Uh, like um you know it's it's so heartbreaking to think of the number of women who are very gifted and are not able to use their gifts that God has equipped them with Um, and so I see where we need to, to not give space for that and help people see that that is such a toxic view, not at all what Jesus came to do. As right. seen, with, you know, his even telling Mary Magdalene first and foremost, "Hey, go and tell everyone I'm alive. <laughs> go and tell." Yeah. Them. Um, so and and then just. And I think we're seeing this across the board with how eye-opening it is when you start to realize, um, well, I know we are probably going to talk about deconstruction because we've yeah. both been through that process, but like as you start to deconstruct and you realize that when you have such a small-minded, boxed-in theology it doesn't make space for anything mm-hmm. and it's all based on a culture and a tradition from 2000 years ago, without taking things into context, Mm -hmm. it's just, doesn't leave anywhere life-giving.
2: Well, and it ends up being people, you know, love to take scripture and this does go into deconstruction a little bit, but people love to take scripture and go, Hey, here's, here's how I know that women aren't allowed to preach. And here's how I know that women are but it's like, they've got it backwards where they're taking one verse to try to explain all these other things, instead of taking all of the other context to explain the one verse.
3: Mm-hmm. For sure.
2: So I saw another, another tweet that a, it, it just made me laugh that another, um, Emmy, Emmy Kegler, I think she's a reverend and she was talking about how, the, she said the biblical inclusion of Gentile Christians began at the moment of realization that like the shape of our genitalia, like whether or not you were circumcised, had no effect on somebody's ability to follow Jesus. <laughs> and yet, like, <laughs> this is still where we are, that because yes. we are women, you know, just made me laugh. I was like, oh, I'm gonna retweet that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I swear, Twitter it can be a hot mess man Christian
2: um, Twitter is a dark place
3: it is it's a place to be of light and it's one of the most tearing each other down dark conflicted place I I'll jump I don't I'll, I'll just follow stuff to the new like like quick updates on stuff but then sometimes I'll slide down this rabbit hole of the theological debate and like why waste <laughs> why my am time, I on in here
2: I know, but it feels easy to get caught up in, at least for me, because it, it like stirs up all my emotions and all the passion behind it. And then it really truly just is a distraction, but all right. So we, you mentioned deconstruction. That's definitely something that you and I have both gone through. I would say I'm still going through. Yeah. Um, I think right now, a lot of people are, are using the term deconstruction because, it's become trendy or they're using it. You and I've talked about, like, we've seen people say that they're deconstructing, like as an excuse not to attend church anymore, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. what does it mean? What does it mean to you? Um,
3: Well, for me, I mean, in a personal level, I feel like it's just a good hard at what you've been handed what you have been raised to believe or you know your doctrine and theology and thoughts and understanding and worldview and just evaluating holding it up to the light and questioning it and saying okay this was handed to me what do I really think about it and I mean honestly that started for me when I went away to college and I oh, wow yeah I mean when I first started I grew up in a very um I think people have been deconstructing more than they even know because I, I think yeah it's not just the big loud deconstruction going on right now. So for instance, when I I was raised in a conservative, Baptist and Presbyterian, there was definitely no Holy Spirit charisma in any of that. Mm-hmm. And then I go to Charleston, find Seacoast, and all of a sudden I'm like, Who's the Holy Spirit? What is that? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: See, growing up Methodist, he was the
2: the Holy ghost, which just sounds scary. I'm that like, why do I want anything right? to do with that?
3: <laughs> right. So in college, I, you know, f- started learning more about the Holy spirit and his work in our life and what that can look like and had some an amazing. And so, I mean, that was like baby step number one of deconstructing my understanding of, and then having roommates who were Jewish and Catholic and Episcopal and all kinds of things, and going to each other's churches and realizing, oh, you know, I was raised to believe pretty much everybody else is wrong. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so it was one, it was just great. It was a great opportunity um, to get out of that that mindset. And then when we moved to Charlotte start mosaic I mean, that was another opportunity evaluating. you know what do we believe about things what do we believe about what church should look like and how we should um and then I don't know how many years ago I can't really say let's maybe say five years ago I think started really hardcore unraveling a lot of what I believed and, um, you know, there were some things going on in our country that were really shaking the church and sides. And, mm-hmm. and that was a huge opportunity just to look around and go, you know, I've coasted for a long time on things I believed, but this, I can't go along with a lot of this stuff happening. And so that really started, I feel like, the hardcore um, reevaluating of just about everything. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
2: What's been the hardest part? I think the hardest part for me is getting to the place of going, okay, not everything has an answer because I definitely grew up where faith was black and white and religion. I wouldn't even say faith was black and white, but religion was black and white. Everything God wanted, it was black and white. If it was even like a hint of not right or you're not sure, then it was 100% wrong. And so knowing, like I had all, I grew up literally hearing there is no gray area. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I like live in gray area because to me, there always had to be an answer, but then when answers didn't make sense, that's where things got really confusing. I'm like, how can this be so, but also this and these two definitive things that don't seem to mesh so I had to get to the place where I had to be okay with not knowing and not having an answer with everything.
3: Yes. Yeah. Dead on. I mean, part of that, because of growing up in the exact same way. And then part of me being an Enneagram five, mm-hmm. <laughs> I've got to research it and read it and make sure I've, it. And yeah, I mean, it's been, that would definitely be part of the hardest part is, is getting to a point where I can. I can say now, you know, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is the son of God. He was died, buried, and resurrected, and he has reconciled the world to himself. And I think, meh, I won't. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember, listen, back when we were dating, so funny, Naeem, uh, we said, we said how we got talking about it, and somehow I said something about, you know, the tribulation, uh-huh. I don't even know if I believe in that and I'm like oh, what <laughs> that, that but but you have to believe in it and then when I learned about pre-trib and post-trib and all that and like rock my world <laughs> and so to come from you know that all those years ago to now uh, just having such a I feel like I love the bible I love scripture even more Mm-hmm. now that I don't hold it in a clenched fist <laughs> mm-hmm. and I feel like, um, I, my, my relationship with Christ is richer and more broad and I, and I just have so much more grace. Um, so anyway, it's yeah. only brought me to a better place, but it's been hard and messy along the way. So I, I can't say that, that there haven't been times when I'm mad or upset or like, can we just go back to being in the bubble and pretend that none of that uh, questioning ever existed?
2: (laughs) Oh, for sure. It was so much easier when I just let other people tell me what to believe. Like that was so much easier, but that's how, and you and I both love Pete Enns um, for his deconstruction and breaking down the Bible specifically. But um, he said once that like, to me, this is how I know I was in true deconstruction is that like, I didn't choose it. And he has said that, like, it's not something that you choose or that anybody would ever choose. Nobody wakes up and goes, hey, I wanna take this foundation of everything I've ever believed and just like shatter it and then try to put the pieces back together. Cause it's, it's hard and it's lonely and it's confusing, but it's just something that you wake up and find yourself in one day. And And for me, it was one of those things of like, once you see it, you can't unsee it, you know? Yes. yes. And there's no going back. There's no, there's like, even if I wanted to, which some days I do, I can't go back to what I used to believe or what I used to
3: think. Right.
2: So you, it's funny that you mentioned um, scripture. People might not know you love the Bible maybe more than anybody that I know. And you have word studies and devos and you tear through books like <laughs> like no other. How has deconstructed, and the same is true for me. Now, again, to clarify for people that are like, why is it so easy for you guys? It's not, I read the old Testament still. And I'm like, what the heck does this even mean? <laughs> like, how could this have happened? But how has this made your love of the Bible like stronger or your, you said you're like deeper and richer for you?
3: Yeah. Well, first of all, I don't try to justify the crazy in the Bible anymore. Mm, that's good. Make things work or, or, that's good. you know, this doesn't, I don't have to bend over backwards to, you know, make all the pieces align with each other. Yeah. Because they don't and God, right. Okay. <laughs> really right. Okay. And I, I feel like it makes it more, um, more rich and deep when you can look at it. And, and again, I know I, I've said this before, I love your whole turning the gym, that that's mm-hmm. your um, blog post and yeah. Instagram stuff, because I think that is, that is uh, so much of it, that this idea of looking at the different perspectives, like if you can realize it's different authors with different perspectives bringing their voice to the table Mm -hmm. instead of some robot hand writing down what a spirit forced them to write.
2: Yeah, well, in in their culture and in their different times and in their different lands and all the things, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and I think it's a slow... It has to be something you jump into slowly. Like, even for me, the f- <laughs> first time that I heard like, hey, maybe some of these Bible stories are parables. Like, it doesn't say at the beginning of Esther, like, this might be fiction, but maybe it is. The Even with Jonah, Jonah and the whale, I'm like, wait, you mean a person didn't actually get swallowed by a fish and like live in there for three days and then get barfed out on the beach? Like, <laughs> And half of my brain is blown because I'm like, what do you mean this isn't a real story? But the other half of my brain is going,
3: actually, that makes a lot more sense than the think right? that maybe it's a parable because what in the world? I know. And, and none of that takes away from the, the miraculousness of God and his son. I mean, no one's denying the resurrection and the power of God to create the universe. We just don't know what that looked like or how and yeah, so it makes it it just frees you up and then also like even from a scientific perspective the backflips done to try to make genesis fit into a scientific model is astoundingly unnecessary Mm
2: -hmm. yeah i think that's where a lot of people get stuck though especially with the bible because it's again black and white it's like one full thing the bible is true and so if you take one sentence out or one story out, or you change one thing, then the whole thing is inaccurate. Well, that's not, it's not true. It's not true. And it doesn't have to be all or nothing.
3: Right. Well, and like you were talking about, you have to take it slow. And the problem is, once you start pulling that thread, forewarning to anyone who's listening and hasn't pulled a single thread yet, once you pull that thread, it all unravels. In a great way, though, I mean, I still... I mean, I'd say monthly, find myself with a new topic that I look at and go, oh, well, now I need to (laughs) reevaluate. I mean, for instance, and obviously we're not going to go into detail on it here because I don't, I still know nothing, but I'm looking at it going, oh, I really need to reevaluate everything I think. But the um, situation going on in Israel and Palestine and Palestinians, like that's a whole thing with a very, uh, black and white framework that comes out of evangelicalism but when you start to reevaluate, and then you also look at the Palestinian people and also mm-hmm. differentiate between the Israeli government and then the Israeli people it is not a clear-cut situation going on um, like some would have you believe and that's just one of any many dozens of things I could pull out right now and say, I used to think this and now I'm looking at it differently.
2: (laughs) I'm so glad you brought that up too because I think people, for me, deconstruction is more than just about the Bible and and it has, and it should be. And I think that's a way too for people to know, like, are they truly in this deconstruction space? Because if it doesn't open your eyes to other people, Mm. You're not actually doing it. Like you're doing Bible study, which is great, but I don't think, I truly don't think that you can say you are deconstructing and growing deeper with God and finding out more about who Jesus actually was. If you cannot then evaluate your own life and the people around you and begin to have your entire world change. I always was somebody who was like, I don't watch the news because I don't understand it and I'm not smart enough and I don't like politics because I don't get it and I'm not smart enough and the news depresses me. And I stayed away from all of that for a long, 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 long time. But really that was just an excuse because, I mean, it it is confusing (laughs) and it is hard to understand, but now again, I cannot help, but have a heart for people that don't look like me, people that I will literally never probably encounter in my entire life, but I have a heart for them and I have a desire to want to know more about them and how I can help because as I get to know God more and as I get to understand the scriptures better and even the cultures back then, I just am realizing more and more how connected we all are. Mm-hmm. And there's if you are still only seeing, you know, one group of people, or you're not able to see basically like beyond yourself, I, then we, we don't have God's perspective.
3: Yes. You know, one thing that Naim's doing right now is he's doing this, um, um, call with pastors that he's gotten to know over the years who live around the world and um, two are in Italy and one is in India. Um, I'm not sure about well else. But just hearing them have their Zoom call and talk through issues and and concerns and, and caring for their people. It's such a humbling mm. and also powerful thing to observe. And it just makes us get over ourselves in America. You know, the the American church thinks it's the end all be all. The evangelical American church thinks yeah. that and or portrays that at least and then you listen to these other pastors who are just they're doing the work with their people don't know or care about the shenanigans going on in the U.S.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. uh,
3: not impacted by it whatsoever and and all that all that and I've always had that that kind of mindset, that heart for international. Obviously, I'm married to Pakistani. Yeah. <laughs> God has just wired me up to think that way. But um, I constantly just look around and think, "Gosh, we're just we're missing it, and it's so sad. It we're so busy infighting about stupid, temporary things that truly have no lasting impact on the kingdom of God and 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 the good news of Jesus, which is about reconciliation and hope, not about a platform or right. power or any of that. And it's just, oh, it's just such a waste of resources and energy and time and noise. And there's a humanity out there waiting for it. Truly uh, the good news, the hope, the grace found in Christ and all this other stuff is just, anyway it's just noise yeah no that's good preach
2: it (laughs) you said you weren't going to preach not sure pastor I think you just
3: did pastor Ashley (laughs) oh I'll I'll probably have to preach someday just because uh, you could do it you could do it
2: all right so when you get when you get you know overwhelmed by all the things and the noise and um how do you keep going who do you look for who do you look to for encouragement or who do you like to, to kind of follow and turn to as, as a leader or guide?
3: <laughs> Sometimes when I need to get away from the noise, I have to get away from all the noise and I just have to shut it all out and yeah. go sit in my backyard um, and, you know, enjoy nature. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also try to be careful these days that... I'm following people say on social media, reading books that while they may be completely—I mean, not all of them are deconstructing, deconstructing, deconstructing—but point being, whatever they're talking about, I know for me most of the time I need it to be coming from a hopeful place. Mm, Yeah, that's good. Place. So whether it's social justice or um, understanding the historical context of the church and how we got to where we are today. If I'm constantly reading or listening to people who are only having negative things and tearing yeah. it all apart, I can't do that. I can't, now there's some, there's a, there's a couple of, of Instagram pages I know we both like and we go and laugh at and it has some satire and- Uh uh-huh. <laughs> funny but truth but I, yeah. can't, I can't let that be my mainstay I have to make sure you know a lot of it is, is still hope-filled and grace-based um, you know one person who's been kind of a constant for me uh, has been Sarah Bessie she is just oh, full of love. love and and she's so sweet she's couldn't be more opposite of me I mean she's like nits <laughs> <laughs> and cooks and, and does all those things. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but she has a lot of beautiful hope filled wisdom.
2: Yeah. She's so gracious. And I even, she got into there. She had some, I wouldn't say she ran into trouble, but trouble came looking for her on social media, not too long ago. And she even just watching the way that she was like, you know what, here's what I want to say. Here's the intention she said what she needed to say people wouldn't back off so she was just like cool I'll be back I'm taking a break and just exactly like you said she just stepped away from all the noise Mm -hmm. she was like I'm gonna go just be with me and God in Canada here and like all the beautifulness yeah and then she came back when she was ready and even just being able to watch you know her posts and her words oh my gosh her words her books are some of my absolute favorites but even just being able to watch her life and just the way that she, you know, did that—it's—it's it's leading without knowing that she's leading, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, the other the flip side of deconstruction, especially with Sarah Bessie, that um, I think people forget, or where people tend to use deconstruction as an excuse to not go to church, is that like, no, you're not just tearing stuff down, like you just said. There's also got to be hope. There's a rebuilding. Yeah. And so once you deconstruct. The things that maybe you don't believe anymore, or deconstruct the things that don't fit or don't make sense, there has to be a reconstruction. There has to be a hopeful rebuilding of, okay, now what? Like, what do I believe? And what does align? And what does God say? And what does Jesus's heart look like?
3: Yeah. But you know, everyone's timeline on that is definitely going to look different because, oh, for sure. You know, some of us have been at this for a long time. And so I mean, I would admit there was a season back in the day. now, this was probably more from ministry burnout than any kind of deconstruction, but there was a season if I had just been a if I had been a regular person, I would have quit on church in a heartbeat uh-huh. and walked away for at least a season I, I, but yeah. i I never wanted to quit on God and walk away from him, yeah, but there have been plenty of times I've wanted to walk away from you know the churches I knew it. Um, and I mean, other people, it's going to take them months and years and, um, and it's okay for it to look like what it needs to look like for them. Mm -hmm. And, and even, you know, just watching my own children, like being willing to step back and give them space to figure out what their faith looks like for themselves um, it has been challenging to, that's where it comes to trust in God mm-hmm. that I can actually trust them to figure it out and trust yeah. God to, to work in their lives instead of feeling like I have to micromanage their spirituality. Yeah.
2: Well, and I'm sure that they know you're a safe space for them too, when they do have questions or yeah, when they want to come back, you know, um, I mean, I don't know if you remember <laughs> last, you're a safe space for me. Last fall, <laughs> I remember wanting to not only walk away from church, but I literally was questioning everything. I was questioning God. I was questioning, oh my gosh, everything. And I remember this one particular day, I was spiraling so hard, like so, so hard. And I think I called Naeem first. <laughs> And I was on the phone with him and I'm crying. And I remember like having to walk out of the coffee shop I was in because I was like, couldn't keep it together. And I'm like doing laps in the parking lot. And I hadn't even like hung up the phone and made it back inside. And then you called and you were like, what's going on? Na'im told me to call you. (laughs) And you just, I was so concerned about being a false teacher. And I was so concerned about getting everything wrong. And I remember telling you that like, my biggest fear was that I was going to get to heaven and God would be like, good job. And so close, like you were so close, but then you started deconstructing and you kind of messed everything up. And that like, not only had I then missed the mark, but then God pointed to all these people. And he was like, by the way, like all these people that you led, you like led them in the wrong direction too. And it just wrecked me. And I was like, spiraling in this dark place so hard. And you said to me, when I finally could stop crying, you said, okay, right now, like in this season of all your questioning and all whatever, do you feel like you're closer or farther away from God? And do you feel like you're hearing from him more or you're hearing from him less? And it was without a question. I knew like I have been hearing from him more and I know with like more clear discernment that it's him you know, and not like the enemy or any other voice trying to come in. Um, and that is a conversation that I don't think I will ever, ever forget. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what, you know, like I said, you were you that safe space for me. I know you're that for your kids. And I know that's what we try to be as mosaic too, telling yeah. people that no matter where they are, like as a church, with their faith, with whatever, like we can be a safe space for them to come in and figure it
3: out. Yes that's so critical. I mean, that's so critical just, and it also just shows, it actually shows how much trust and faith you have in God. If you, as a leader, Mm -hmm. you trust God enough, you're not going to be afraid of the people you're leading wrestling through the things of God. Right. Um, Because it's not actually about us it's about their
2: relationship with God. And we're just yes. here to yeah. steward and, and help them figure it out.
3: I mean, ultimately God is so great. And so <laughs> beyond our comprehension, I feel like we're all just a bunch of, someone said this to me once that I was like a duck that I looked peacefully <laughs> on the top of the water, but underneath the water, my legs were <laughs> as hard as could be. And I feel like that's all of Christianity. We're all kicking as hard as we can and yes. heaven, and he's just going to scoop us all up and say, I already reconciled you. I love you. It's you can. Yeah. You know. Yeah.
2: I love that. Well, we could talk about this forever and ever, and I'm sure we will talk about this more, but I do want to ask you one last question. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to. I hate the idea of women playing small. And I think a lot of us, um, in one way or another, have felt like we need to either change our identity or change things about, about ourselves and, and play small. So, in order to break that, I want to know what is your favorite thing about yourself? Hmm. <laughs> mm. I know this is a hard question. That is a hard question.
0: What
3: is my favorite thing about myself? Um, I mean, like, favorite thing I do?
2: Just think about you, about Ashley.
3: <laughs> I know you love this kind of question. <laughs> um, I, yeah, introspection is amazing. No, um, I love that I can be a really good resource for people. So whether they need a book recommendation or to be a sounding board or to help them navigate a problem, I just, I want to be a good resource to people and I feel like I am. You are, for sure.
2: You're one of our favorite, one of my favorite teachers. I mean, I love when I watch you on Morning Breath, which is when we, Mosaic goes live on social media. It's so good. And actually, that's my favorite thing. One of my favorite things about you two is just your authenticity. Mm -hmm. And the more I have seen you, since we're kind of doing this deconstruction thing side by side, the the more I see you draw close to God, the more I see you figure out who you are and Mm -hmm. figure out how to live confidently into that woman, into the person that God really and truly made you to be. And it is just showing more and more and everything you do. I literally get the giggles sometimes watching you on <laughs> morning breath. Cause I'm like, you just get so animated and excited. And I'm like, look at Ashley go. <laughs> just...
3: Oh, I love that. Thank you for saying that. Oh, I good. love it so much. I love it so much. It All right. Been, well, it's been fun doing it yeah
2: yeah where can people find you if they want to ask you for resources or follow you on morning breath or any of that where can they find you
3: instagram is probably the best place i've abandoned facebook as much as i can get away with Um, and it's just ashley fosel awesome Um, instagram yeah awesome
2: well it's been so so fun chatting thank you for being my first guest on the whatever i don't know what we're calling this yet the Kristen, takeover of the name <laughs> Fossil podcast.
3: Oh well, it was a joy and an honor to be your first guest and to be on here with you. Awesome. We'll talk soon. Okay. okay bye. bye. Man, I could talk
2: to Ashley Fazzle for hours and hours. We probably did actually talk. I think <laughs> once we got off of the Zoom call. But she is just a wealth of knowledge. I mean, all of the things, like so many different heavy topics, but she makes it all so relatable. You know.
0: Yeah, and she has to deal with Naeem Fozal on a daily basis. So <laughs> it's True. Maybe I that's, think that's she,
2: our bond. I truly think you know? that's why we love each other so much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Oh, he's back. Hey, he's back. get out of here. You get out of here, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, yeah, and maybe that's what they were talking about when they said like the duck about like she's calm above the water but like she's <laughs> she's just kicking Naeem underneath the water. There you like go. Eat. Maybe
2: that's, that's what it is. Maybe it's him. Maybe it's him. I think
0: that might have been it. Man, that's <laughs> hilarious. Oh well, guys, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Kristen, great job for your first one. So good. Um and if this, if you guys enjoyed this, subscribe to the Nine Puzzle podcast. Follow us on online on social media. And Kristen, how can they actually just find you and, and the content you're putting out?
2: yeah so two places really we are calling these the turning the gem sessions because that is the title of my blog it is turning um i've got all kinds of posts and things there so it's kind of like a twofold if you want my more serious thoughts on things go to the blog if you want to watch me uh, making fun of myself and laughing at <laughs> things and maybe using filters where i have like glitter all over then go uh, yeah. find me on instagram at kristen mothler young
0: yeah, and you can actually get the download for this app uh, for when you listen to this episode. Every time Kristen comes on, a little like handle pop out of your phone and throw glitter on you. So <laughs> check that out. Check that out in the iPhone. Oh you know, what, or in the app store near you. We need to figure that out. That would be dope. We
2: need to make that happen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just a phone case that, you know, you know so you don't have to there go through go. the app store. Anyways, Perfect. hope Perfect. you guys had a good time. We'll be back with more of these episodes. Kristen, I'm looking forward to it. Naeem, get out. <laughs> and uh, come back. I'll see time. you soon. See you guys.